Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Wir gerne sehen in was ist los. It's dein Freundo Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. What's up, Super Nintendos? This is episode 650 of Nintendo Voice Chat, and today... We have a very special guest live from Kyoto. Well, not live, pre-taped from Kyoto, Japan. Uh, on this, the 30th year anniversary of Star Fox, we have one of the original programmers, Giles Goddard. Giles, thank you so much Hi. for joining us. How are you doing today? Very well, thank you. 
fantastic hold. Excellent. Uh, I wanted to get right into it from the beginning. So can you tell us a little bit about the Spectrum ZX, the ZX rather? Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, that was Sinclair's sort of color version of their ZX81, which was like a very basic um, black and white home, homemade thing. You say you bought the kit and you made it yourself kind of thing. Uh, and it was, a, it was very limited. So they sort of, they made a super advanced version, which was color, it had sound, it had, you plugged it straight into the TV. It was really, you know, really easy to use. You didn't have to build it. And I just got it for Christmas, basically, one year. And like how old were seven. you when you got that? Six or seven. <laughs> wow. And so you started programming then right away, or were there cartridges or pre-programmed? Yeah, no. That you could... The way it used to work is you'd, you'd buy a magazine uh, about the Spectrum, and it would have a game in it, but you'd have to type out the game. Um, and it would never work because there'd be a typo <laughs> in there or something. So you'd have to go try and figure out what was broken, why it didn't work. Um, and that's how I guess I started programming, by fixing bugs in magazine games. <laughs> so you'd have to do QA in addition QA to, to the programming magazine. the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And this was, uh, like I'm, I'm assuming, basic, or were you doing like assembly language? or that, So that would have been basic. Okay. Um, um, and then... Yeah. You moved on to uh, the Amiga and the demo scene, and I don't think a lot of people uh, are really familiar with the demo scene. So, could you explain really? uh, what that is? Wow. Well, I think I think uh, a lot of younger people, I should say, aren't really familiar mm -hmm. with the demo scene, and I'm I'm fascinated by it. So, I, I'd love to hear you uh, sort of give your explanation. Yeah, I don't know what why it came about. Um, it was it was like sort of graffiti almost. Um, you know, you'd have your your intros. Um, that usually they'd be put onto the, the start of cracked games. Um, so you you know, if you, if you there was a lot of sort of swapping cracked games, cracked games, which is you know games that have been hacked, so they don't need any protection anymore. And then they used to put an intro, uh, sort of showing who cracked the game at the start of the game. Um, and I guess that it just went from there. They basically they, they moved on from that, and they just started sharing the demos rather than the demos plus the game. Did you uh, have like a like an alias when you were in the demo scene? I did. Are you yeah. uh, at liberty to Not share that? Or no, no, no. <laughs> can't can't share it. That's fine. We're we're not gonna we're not gonna push you to share anything that you're not comfortable with. But um. <laughs> All of that work, uh, so you moved from uh, well, like a Z80 uh, CPU to, I, I'm blanking on what the Amiga is, but did just moving around uh, those different sort of architectures, did that uh, ready you for the work that you would eventually start doing at Nintendo? Because the, the Super FX chip mm -hmm. was sort of built to work around the Super Nintendo, or rather, you know, it. I, I think I read that the, the Super Nintendo was the box that held the Super FX chip. And would you say that all of your, yeah, yeah. your sort of demoing experience helped with that? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, when you made a demo, you'd always write it in assembler. So you, you'd have to go real bare metal, uh, start from scratch every time. And that's how you, got, you get the performance out. But, you know, so you going from Z80 on the Spectrum and then a, a 6800 um, CPU on, a, on an Amiga. They're very, very different CPUs. So yeah, that gave me like a 
really good insight on to how you know different CPUs work. And then we went on to obviously with the Mario chip, the FX chip, that used a risk instruction set, which is another different type of um, you know CPU. So yeah, we I had a quite a good experience by that time. Yeah, you also uh, um, you worked on the uh, the Macintosh SE, if I'm correct. Mm, yeah, that was porting uh, Starglider to to the ST, uh, which wasn't very enjoyable. <laughs> what made it What made it so unenjoyable? Oh, hang on, no, uh, no. I I ported the Mac to the Mac version. I did a different thing for the, for the ST, but yeah, I mean, the, I I don't know. It, it felt like a not very good Amiga. The Atari ST. Okay. It was mainly used for uh, music because it had uh, extremely um, reliable IRQs, which are timers that can fire at very specific points in time. Um, and that's why a lot of musicians used it because it was always perfectly on time. Oh, interesting. So apart and from that, it wasn't very good. Okay. <laughs> you've dipped your toes into sound design, right? Mm. Yeah. My brother was a, uh, a sound producer sound engineer so we used to do a lot of stuff together oh very cool all right um could you tell us uh, a little bit about the office you're what 19 18 19 when you get to mm -hmm. nintendo could you tell us about the office that uh, you nintendo. were in at nintendo uh very very bland just it was like a back room uh so the way the offices the old offices used to work was the ead was on one floor huge floor very open plan um, and at the back, there was a sort of a small room, and we were just shoved in there, away from everything else. Because I don't think we weren't really allowed to see what what was going on in the other, the main room. So yeah, we were separated out. And you described it as uh, being something like a factory at one point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a very traditional Japanese type office, I guess, from you know, typical eighties office, I guess. I think sure. now it's slightly, slightly more sort of modern, but yeah, back then it was really, really um, basic. And what year and was this? 89, 90, that kind of time. Okay. I think. Can you tell us about like the first day you touched down in Japan? Do you, do you remember? Or was it like a whirlwind? Yeah, they, I think they came to pick us up at the airport. Um, we didn't have a clue what we were supposed to do or where to go or anything and there was no english anywhere it was all japanese very few foreigners very very little support for foreigners they just there was no tourists back then you know no foreign tourists so um yeah it was, it was quite overwhelming all right um you worked pretty closely with mr miyamoto for a long time. Did you learn any sort of game design lessons from being that close and working with him for, for so long? Yeah, for sure. I think we, we all did. Um, just through working with him every day. I mean, there was, you know, he didn't sort of sit down and teach us. It was just, we got to know how to sort of what went into, into like a, a Nintendo game kind of thing. You know, what, what made mm. a Nintendo game a Nintendo game? We, we learned a lot about how they work and all that sort of stuff. There he oh, is. there's Mr. Miyamoto there on the screen about uh, era appropriate, even. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's he the also... office. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, it looks a little. I mean, that's there's a few pieces well, of flair. Okay. 
Well, I'm glad we could uh, bring you back to, to these good memories. But uh, I think it's pretty famous, famously known that your office was also the was it the one place in the building where people could smoke cigarettes? No, they were smoking. There's there's going to be somebody smoking in one of those desks. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was what it was like until quite recently, actually. I guess you know, mid nineties. That's when they stopped doing that. And Mr. Miyamoto would come in to your office though, and just like light up a smoke and start talking to you. Yeah, but I think I think I was smoking. Uh, Krista <laughs> was smoking. I don't think Dylan smoked, but yeah, we were all smoking. <laughs> that, that kind of time. So it's like a hacker den kind of vibe. Just cigarettes oh, yeah, yeah. going. And... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Did you have any sort of like unexpected challenges? I mean, I'm sure you, I should say. Can you describe any unexpected challenges in developing? The, the engine of Star Fox uh, that came up and like how, how you got around those limitations. I mean, I remember seeing Star Fox at the time and just it, I was probably 16 or 17 and it just absolutely blew my mind. I'd never seen anything like it. And it didn't seem possible that it could be running on a Super mm. Nintendo. And I imagine that had to have come with a, a fair amount of headaches. Uh, yeah, <laughs> quite a bit. I mean, <laughs> because we were, we were, you know, we were making the chip while making the game. So the chip had bugs. Our game had bugs. You didn't really know which, whether it was a hardware bug or a software bug or, or whatever. Um, so that, that was it. that was a big challenge, just getting base, the basics running half the time. And also, there were, there were no tools, so we had to build all the tools to make the game. So things like compilers and linkers and and stuff like that. We all had to and IDEs. There were no IDEs, so we made made an ID. Um, so everything was started from scratch. So that was that was a challenge. Um, it's not, not like today where you know you have Unity and Unreal where everything's sort of set up. You just go in and make a game. Back then, it was you start from scratch, literally. Um, that was definitely challenging. What were the, the the development kits like? Were were there even development kits, or was it just like no, a? We didn't, a... we didn't have dev kits. They were we used uh, off-the-shelf PCs running DeskView, which was an old OS. Um, plugged into Super Famicom's uh, with sort of Mario chip, Super FX chip, uh, what are they called? Breadboards plugged into the cartridge slot. And we downloaded oh, wow. onto that. So just all sort of bodged together and. Oh, yeah, yeah. Everything was bodged together. That's incredible. I, I was, was in the days before dev kits altogether. So, yeah, so basically, like, if you, a dev kit was just something that you had to build yourself. Yeah. yeah. Um, when you worked on the Super Nintendo, or excuse me, the, uh, the N64, though, that was like SGI, right? That was our silicon. Oh, yeah, that, works that was, uh, yeah, yeah. That, for that, we had all sorts. We had emulators running on Onyx machines and stuff like that. That was a different league altogether. Very cool. Um, I was hoping you could answer a question. Uh, question i wanted to ask about a bicycle ride i was doing some research and there was a like a, apparently a bicycle ride where you had some top secret documents that uh got away from you yes. i was hoping you could give us a little background into that uh yeah i, I think there were star fox design documents that we took home for the weekend to look over me and dylan dylan for some reason didn't have a bike so he was standing on the back of mine <laughs> we were a little bit we may have had a a few drinks beforehand. Um, we went across a big, the biggest crossing in Kyoto, uh, and we just fell over. 
and everything just came out of the basket and floating around. And then the lights changed and all the cars were sort of doing that. We were trying to <laughs> run around, pick up pieces. Um, and Nintendo told us, you know, make sure you, you don't lose these documents. They're highly top secret. Um, don't show them to anybody. Don't, you know, don't lose them. Um, we managed to do most of that. <laughs> you know. Was there a, a feeling like, oh God, the jig is up, like this is it? Or I mean, was it just? Well, we did. If... We did wonder if we'd, if uh, you know, we'd we'd uh, be back at work the next day or the next. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad you were able to to get those all together. Um, so, um, you, you talked earlier about how you know how white and stark that uh, did that. Like hinder your creativity did you ever did it ever feel sort of stifling or was it just like you were so focused on the task at hand that it didn't actually affect you that you, much when you're when you're making it's it's like any anything that you're concentrating on when when you're making it you're you block out everything anyway you know because you're so focused on what you're doing so you could be anywhere you could be in any kind of room it doesn't really make much difference um but i, th I think in nintendo's case because the offices were quite bland People did put all their creativity into the games rather than sort of making an office look really nice and whatever. I think oh, that, that was one of the reasons. Okay. Uh, you worked alongside of some of sort of, I guess, like legends of, of Nintendo. Uh, did you, was there a sense at the time, like when you were working with Mr. Miyamoto or when you were working with uh, Mr. Wada, did you sort of have a sense that, uh, of who they were? Because, you know, game development in back then wasn't exactly, nobody knew who developed a game was there a sense that these sort of people were larger than life or, or is that or they yeah, were just like not, the normal guys not, you worked with not at all i mean you can you can see in that video that miyamoto san he has a desk like everybody else was, you know, i think it was slightly bigger at some point um but yeah he's he's the same as everybody else there you know there was no and he wasn't really that famous at that point you know now he's a big sort of superstar but, but um at that point <laughs> I don't think, you know, nobody in Kyoto really knew who he was. Oh, wow. Do you still keep in touch with Mr. Miyamoto? Very occasionally, very occasionally. Yeah. I think he's That's really cool. busy for that. Yeah. <laughs> Could you tell us about uh, working with Mr. Iwata? Yeah, so I only worked with him, uh, you know, briefly when we were doing the N64 because he, he was still at HAL um, and we went over to SGI once or twice to you know, work with SGI you know, to try and figure out what kind of chip we were going to make. Um, but yeah, he was you know, very, very, uh, what's the word? Work-orientated. He had a very good work mm. ethic. Yeah. It was very, very little parting and lots of work. All right. Uh, on the, there's an episode of Game Center CX where, with Awada on it, and Areno says, after shaking his hand, he says he has... The, the softest hands he's ever felt. I'm wondering if you can co corroborate that. I don't think I've ever touched his hands, but I can probably imagine it. He's a very, he's a, he's a very, very soft, soft kind of guy. He, yeah, he definitely seemed that way. Um, I was also reading, actually, on the topic of Awada, I was reading an Awada asks with you and talking about Star Fox, and Imamura said that the the whole team was just so amazed by your camera work on on star mm. fox and you were you know just a kid at the time did that sort of praise did it like go to your head or how did it affect you you know being so young and sort of uh like this wunderkind 
yeah, I, I don't, I don't really, I don't really sort of think about when people say, oh, that's really, really cool. I, I usually take it with a huge pinch of salt. I'm not, I don't think that they're lying. It's just that I'm never happy with what I've done. You know what I mean? So they, mm. they may think it's great, but I still think, oh, I could have done this and that to make it better kind of thing. I'm, I'm never, oh. never really one to sort of, sort of bask in my praise. Whatever. Right. Yeah. So like you, you can only see the things that you, oh, that you see the wrong things. Yeah. Oh, it's like when you, yeah, when you I... release a game, when we released Star Fox, uh, it wasn't finished. We, there was so many things I wanted to fix and change and do kind of thing. So it was kind of, you, you reluctantly release it most of the time. Um, who who came up with the idea for the the this giant slot machine that secret slot machine that you unlock uh, by blasting through those oh, certain asteroids? I'm not I'm not sure actually. I'm not sure. I don't think about that. Maybe it was uh, Watanabe son. Okay, the, uh, that's always been one of those. I remember when I first discovered it, and I thought, well, this is this is strange. Is I remember making a mental note. Is that the one, yeah, one on it, the wobbly yeah. stage? Yeah. It's it's so weird and bizarre, and it's one of the reasons that I, I, I just completely fell in love with that game. And I thought, you know, if I ever get the chance to talk to a developer, oh, there it is! Oh, Thank there Fred it is. For, for finding it. Yeah, um, that's uh, one of those cool, oh, weird little yeah. things. And I think, yeah. I, think, I think Dylan programmed this, actually. Okay. I think that was one of his. Because we all took I... uh, turns to make a, a boss. <laughs> it's one of the weirdest bosses in video gaming. So, uh, oh, so, so at, at, the at that time, there uh, that was a big thing in Japan. You know, uh, pachinkos and slot machines. Now, now it's not really, but it was huge back then. And it was huge enough to make it into Star Fox. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in yeah. the secret, in the secret, um, secret levels. My my one question, my last question, rather, is uh, what did you think initially of? the characters that they came back with for, for Star Fox. Uh, I thought they were maybe a little bit lame. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, know anyway, not, not, they didn't, they didn't strike me as being very cool, you know, cause they, mm. I grew up with sort of things like Star Wars and, and like, um, you know, Blade Runner and stuff like that really cool sci-fi and this this seemed very childish you know that the character sure. was it like a, a it surprise a different, to you? Sen different sensibilities you know the in japan that cute and uh and that kind of stuff is 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 not really regarded as childish you know in, in mm. japan adults read comics on the train and stuff like that um, right in the west you'd, you'd be beaten up if you're adult you know, <laughs> reading a comic. um so yeah it's just a different just different mental uh, things, isn't it? How far along were you in the development process when they when they brought these characters in? Like, did you sort of have an idea of like, oh, this is going to be you know sort of a, a gritty sci-fi adventure? No, I didn't think it was going to be gritty, but I didn't know I didn't think it was going to involve sort of a, a rabbit and a frog and whatever. <laughs> I don't think anybody did. I, I think maybe halfway through, that's when they sort of landed on that. I think they went through a different few different iterations of characters they just landed on the uh the four the four things they were based off each of the members in the, on the team of oh really yeah so the the frog was the yamada san Falco was maybe uh, Imura. 
gonna have to think about this. Yeah, I think I think they base the character they the 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 basic look of the characters off the a few of the people on the team at least. <laughs> That's really cool to to know about. Well, um, we are out of time. I'm sorry to say, but I wanted to know where can people find you uh, online or otherwise now. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm on Twitter. I'm just Giles G I L E S on Twitter. Uh, we're always on Discord. You can get to the Discord from from Twitter. We also have two two high labs uh, on Twitter. Um, yeah, and we're on this with either Twitter or Discord, basically. Okay. And do you have any big projects you wanted to sort of shout out right now? I can't uh, show you our big pro- project, but I can show you uh, Carl Jr. on the play date. Okay. He's out now on the catalog. So I'm going to be loading up my play date immediately following this call. Well, Giles, cool. thank you so much for your time, and uh, we really appreciate it. And as someone who was a teenager when Star Fox came out, like, Great work. You, you, you entertained me quite a lot. I used to be probably glad, one of the best. Yeah, I, it was one of those games where I played to the point where I could do it almost with my eyes closed and wow, not so much anymore. When was, it, when was the last time you played it? Uh, honestly, I played it on the, uh, the Nintendo Switch online service maybe maybe six months ago and i was able to complete it and i was able to find the slot machine again and i was just amazed at myself for being able to remember all of that game it just it got right underneath me so yeah that's cool thank you so much welcome uh we are going to be taking your questions in our next segment in an extended question block so please stay tuned this year i decided i actually wanted to like follow hockey a little bit more than just the most casual of casuals. So I subscribed to a service that streams all of the NHL to your television, Uh, the Boston Bruins home opener. I went to watch it and boom, blackout restrictions apply, which I thought was kind of ridiculous because I'm still 200 miles away from Boston, but whatever. Had I had NordVPN, that wouldn't have been a problem. I would have just gone in, changed my settings to another geographic area, and boom, I could have been watching all the Boston Bruins home games like it was nothing at all. So now I have NordVPN, and I can watch the home games of my local teams streaming without being frustrated. It's the same thing with, like, Netflix. It has all these complicated licensing rules, which from one country to another don't really make sense. So something you could watch on South Korean Netflix, you won't be able to watch on the United States Netflix unless NordVPN, boom, switch to South Korea, and you're watching whatever Korean drama that you want I highly recommend you do that. I haven't done it myself, but people seem to enjoy them. And who am I to try to bring down people's enjoyment? Uh, NordVPN, more than just entertainment and sports availability, it's going to protect you, especially when you're traveling, when you're using public Wi-Fi. People are trying to get in there. They're creeping on you. Bad actors, people trying to steal your password, your bank account details. Who knows what the government's doing these days? I can't keep track. They're all over the damn place. NordVPN... It's going to protect you. It's going to protect up to six devices because I know you have at least that many devices in front of you right now that can hook up to the internet. Boom. Fastest VPN in the world. You're not going to get any buffering. You're not going to get any lagging. Uh, It's going to stop your ISP from bandwidth throttling, which they do. That's kind of sneaky, especially how much you're paying those guys. There's threat protection to protect you from viruses and malicious malware and whatever else. Uh, Um unsavory actors are out there if you want to get the best discount off your nord vpn plan go to nordvpn.com slash nintendo 
NordVPN.com/NordVPN.com/NordVPN.com/NordVPN.com/NordVPN.com/NordVPN.com/NordVPN.com/NordVPN.com/NordVPN.com/NordVPN.com/NordVPN.com/NordVPN.com/NordVP
competing with Xbox and PlayStation. They are in a different sort right. of bracket in people's minds and a different place in the market, I think. And I think I think it has definitely worked out for them in that way. Yeah, I think some of that comes from their roots as a toy maker. Uh, like they are, mm -hmm. they don't style themselves as a video game maker, even though that is ostensibly what they are. Sure. Uh, they think of themselves as toy makers and they try to make toys, uh, which is why, I mean, people think of them as like, oh, it's the kids console. Well, it's the everyone console. It's the kids and adults all at the same time. Uh, and part of that does mean affordability, right? Because if you're trying to appeal not just to hardcore gamers, if you're really trying to appeal to everyone, then you have to make things that like a parent who doesn't have a whole ton of money could buy for their child and if the child breaks it it's not this massive economic loss to this mm. household or something that everyone can play together and feel comfortable with there's not a bajillion settings on it that they don't understand or a steam deck where you have to do some sort of weird magic to get it to play things that are not necessarily on like like there's a bunch of like all these other extra technical things that you have to do with a playstation and xbox where nintendo things are very specifically simple and that does come with downsides right i mean there's a lot of things that i wish i could do on my nintendo systems that i absolutely cannot do uh like have a competent online experience in certain games uh for mm, that reason sure but it does keep the cost down and so i think i i don't i don't know that they necessarily went into this thinking oh this will be great when the economy is bad but it's a decision yeah. that certainly worked in their favor uh with especially well, if you look at i was gonna say it'll gone. sheesh yeah it'll serve them well if you know the economy does because it's like well i could buy my son a, a $600 console or $500 console, yeah. or I could buy them, you know, this switch that is still $300. Yeah. It, it's a it'll be 200 for the light. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out in the next couple of years. If we do indeed get, I mean, we will eventually get another new hardware from Nintendo, whether that is a switch yeah. two or some other thing, right? It's, you know, not this year, probably not next year, but it's not, it's not going to be that far away. And I wonder how they are going to be thinking about the economy in terms of pricing that. Mm, that is the one that's going to make people real mad. They said the Tears of Kingdom is going to be case-by-case -case basis. I mean, it's the biggest Switch game ever. 18.6 gigabytes, which, by the way, every time I start up Call of Duty, there's a bigger oh shader gosh, yeah. than that. <laughs> like, But still. Um, so, yeah, I think... Nintendo it doesn't think of uh, trying to head off economic downturns. They just try to make a console that's good enough. And I think they do a great job of that because like you said, Reb, it's like, it's the software, it's the games. It's, it's the yeah. games that make Nintendo I, important. I, I, also, I also really like this kind of weird kind of moment we're in where like we might've had a new hardware by now if we hadn't had the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, mm. But like, it is kind of a weird moment to be in where it's like, okay, the Switch is six years old now, but it's still going strong. And it's it's kind of nice. As much as I want a Switch Pro or Switch 2, it is nice to just only have the Switch. There's no, like, new Switch 3DS XL, yeah. Switch <laughs> I, you know? Like, it's just very much, like, one a friend I'm, like, that I was talking to, like, doesn't have a Switch. I'm like, should I get a Switch? I'm like, yeah. Yeah. There's, we don't know when they're, like, this is, there's, there's, it always seems to be, like, there's no wrong time to get a Switch. And I feel like that's kind of like a rare kind of thing where it's just like, yeah, we're about to get like the sequel to the biggest game ever. This is yeah. the best time to get a Switch. And it's, I can appreciate this kind of weird, like, I feel like even like a year or two ago, I was just like, no, we've got to get the Pro. It's got to come out this year. And now I'm just like, you know what? Maybe it's fine. Will it's I get the Zelda Switch OLED that they might announce this year? 
Yes. Mm. And then will I get the pro whatever when it comes out a month later? Yes. Mm. <laughs> yep. Um, but uh, it, it is, it is, it is nice. I'm very poor. I can't do either of those. Uh, but uh, it is, it is, it is nice to like kind of like be in this like, it's so easy to recommend. It's like, yeah, get a Switch Live for 199. Yeah. Get a Switch and just get a gift card and get so many great indie games. Like, it's so easy. If yep. I told you my running theory about like what happened with the, the Switch, the, the supposed Switch Pro we were supposed to get. Supposed Switch Pro? Yeah. No. What's up? Let's hear it. Uh, okay, so Let's speculate. quick disclaimer on this gaming leaks and rumors subreddit. This is not reporting. I don't know anything. This is pure speculation just based on looking at publicly available info. I feel like they probably had a Switch Pro in the works, like it was a real thing. Uh, like Mochizuki is a really good reporter. Uh, I, I fully buy into the things that he was reporting were happening. What I suspect happened is the combination of the pandemic and the chip shortage and then seeing all those Switch sales and everything just sort of piled on top of one another. And the OLED was sort of the compromise. Like they realized they, one, didn't mm. have to release a Switch Pro and two, probably shouldn't, uh, again, given the chip shortage and everything that was going on uh, and the economy and all of these other things. And so they they went with the OLED as sort of a compromise to the Switch Pro. And at this point in the Switch's life cycle, it would be ridiculous to just release another small upgrade for the Switch uh, that was like another step above the OLED. And so at this point, I suspect they're putting all the resources into whatever the next gen is going to be. That's my, my big galaxy brain theory about what happened there. I think that's 100% reasonable. And I think you're probably right. I mean, we'll never know. Nintendo's just like a secret company. <laughs> We'll never we know, but like, know. yeah, like it would have been, it would have been devastating to Nintendo to have released a, a Switch Pro or a Switch 2 and not be able to get it into people's hands. Like we, we're finally now, oh my God, two years, over two years since the Xbox and the PlayStation 5. Now you can order one on Amazon and get it the next day. That never happened in the two years until like two weeks ago. Yeah. That you could just go onto Amazon and buy a PlayStation 5. And if that, like, that just would have not worked for Nintendo. And imagine so, putting, yeah, like, I, all that R&D money into developing, like, a like a mid, a mid-gen console and then not being physically able to sell it. And then having yeah. to then also, on top of that, develop another next-gen thing to come out a few years later and having to put more R&D yeah. money into that. They could just fold whatever they did for this Switch upgrade into whatever they're doing next. Easy. Yeah. I mean, it's not, so, it's not that easy, but... So oh. there, there it is. You've yeah. just confirmed it's going to be a foldable design. It's going to be a clamshell. <laughs> We're going back to the 3 baby. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's what, we, that's what we all really want. I'm uh, that actually, uh, talking about recommending to buy a Switch, Shane Dowley asks, for new Switch buyers, what would be your top five essential games that you would tell them to buy? Also, Shane says some really nice stuff. P.S. You are my favorite video game podcast. Love you all. Aww. And this show was a big factor in me deciding to finally buy a Switch. Love from your Irish fan base. Fan base, uh, Shane Daly. So well, nice. uh, Tomega Magamagra, uh, I think that's how you're supposed to greet people in Ireland. I can't remember. My, my Gaelic-speaking friend told me that. But So I'm interested to hear what your top five essential games are. I mean, I, I already know what what mine are. i mean so there's some like, there's some easy ones right like obviously we're all going yeah. to say breath of the wild is anyone here not breath going to of say the breath wild. of the wild i we're will all, fight you we're all going to say breath of the wild we're all going to say mario kart yes we're probably yes. all going to say smash bros <sighs> well i don't know if that's an i don't know that's an essential i think that's a 
a good one to have, but I don't know if I would call Smash Brothers an essential Switch game. Not anymore. Yeah, I would do Super Mario Odyssey before Smash. Odyssey for sure. Okay. Yeah. For sure. I think the problem is that now that the updates on Smash are done, like unless unless you have friends that are coming over all the time or are in the fighting game community, you're probably not still playing a lot of Smash, right? Yeah. But also it is like one of the best party fighting games ever made. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like, look, it's, 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 it's a super <laughs> yeah. game. I, I don't know if I would, if I would call it uh, essential. Um, also, the, the person in the comments who's saying that Breath of the Wild is trash and overrated, <laughs> you're definitely the smartest and coolest person in every <laughs> room like, that gosh. you walk into. And <laughs> we all know that by your great opinion. Yeah, so, I, I think I, five, five rooms leaves a lot of room for debate. Three, I think, is well. Pretty, that's pretty locked in. Yeah, with those three. Yeah, honestly, right? card. Well, I'm interested then to Zelda. hear what your sort of like your your next two are mm. after like. Oh, this is like because I'm gonna I'm hard. gonna go ahead and I'm gonna say if you bought a Switch, you should absolutely get the Switch edition of Minecraft because mm. it is so fun to play minecraft on the switch hand of tom you look like completely I'm not just, in agreement i'm just with gonna that. very politely ask this question because you're entitled to your opinion and it's totally fair <laughs> you're gonna recommend a game that is on so many platforms you can probably play it on smart fridges yes okay i'm going to recommend minecraft for switch <laughs> because it is a delight on the nintendo <gasps> interesting it is, i i respect it because minecraft is a phenomenal game and the switch version i haven't played specifically but ever. yeah but that's that's uh, yeah okay okay it is surprisingly fun it's like i don't i can't explain it but playing it in handheld is just like it's it adds an extra layer fair of enough just like good goodness fair enough fair enough so yeah and it's also it's like 30 bucks so the problem is i feel like very compelled to recommend exclusives for exactly the reason that you're right. saying right yeah, and there's yeah, like yeah. there's many mm. games that i think are best on the switch like hollow knight is like a prime example of a game that is spectacular great on everything spectacular on the switch yeah um Mm. is it is it like can i recommend ring fit adventure is that a reasonable recommendation yeah, why couldn't you of course i think there is nothing quite like it anywhere else no. like not even just in terms of it's exclusive to switch but there is absolutely no other game out there like it uh and it is the kind of game that i think anybody could pick up and play and enjoy even if they are not a big gamer and actually for that same reason my fifth one would be animal crossing new horizons mm. oh Mm. Yeah, There's Animal Crossing is a very good one too. Um, I don't, I don't know if I would personally consider that essential, but mm. um, I could see. I, I think it's like a case by case basis. You hate, I you hate that fun. To some I got people. it. I hate fun. <laughs> fun is the worst. Yeah. I I do love I do love Animal Crossing. I feel like everyone should should play that at least know what it is because like my coworker Ben had never played it before New Horizons and he was like, so you just do chores? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's great. Yeah. It's um, my favorite thing to do uh, during the pandemic. <laughs> I don't know if I would maybe, <laughs> I don't know if I would slot this in for a fifth and I don't know, Seth, correct me if I'm cheating here, but uh, I would say pay the $50 and get the expansion pass online because <gasps> that's oh, a great, that's really good. That's a great suggestion. You have hundred, you smart have thinking. like, at, I'm, I'm just going to throw out an incorrect number, but like <laughs> you have at least like 30, 40, 50 games right out of the game. That's gotta be Especially right. Especially with the Game Boy Advance. There's at least oh my God. 1000 games. I yeah. believe. Is that real? Is that true? 
uh, probably Are you making not. a joke? Well, I, I'm making, <laughs> I yeah. Be that, I thought, I was like, I'll, I was like, I'll use a number that seems highly improbable. Oh, okay. okay. I'm, I'm going to say there's at least 10, which is, that's that true, is true, but that is true. somewhere between 10 and 1,000. I could name 10 <laughs> off the cuff. I could name 10. Right. But no, just I the idea that you could, for, for uh, Shane, pay the $50 and you'll get immediate access to Legend of Zelda Arcade of Time, Legend of Zelda Minish Cap, Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. Like, you're getting all the original Super Mario Brothers games right off the bat. If you missed all the early Nintendo stuff, it's just right there. And then there's the, Nintendo's adding them over time. It's the best 50 bucks you can spend, honestly. And if you have friends, you can split it with the family plan. Mm-hmm. I wish I had friends, but um, no, I think that's a, a perfectly apt um, suggestion, especially yeah. because, you know, up until the direct when they added the GBA and the, and the Game Boy games, I was uh, a, a champion of, I wasn't a champion. I was just like, yeah, I have it because I want it. But now that they have added those two platforms, I feel like it's actually, it's amazing now. Like it's just where it should be and it's only going to grow. They're only going to keep adding. Um, Game Boy games, Game Boy Advance games, Golden Sun. Mm-hmm, what's up? Mm-hmm. Looking at you. Eventually, yeah. we're gonna get Donkey Kong sixty four. One of these days. On there. Yes. I want to believe. They've yes. They've uh, yeah. they've you know they've pretty much stopped adding Nintendo and Super Nintendo and Genesis games, which is a huge bummer because there's a lot of really great games out there. But you know those all seem to just come out in collections anyway. But yeah, I think I think the the, the Nintendo Switch Online that you know I would almost look. I'm gonna I'm gonna be even more controversial. I'm going to say if you only had the choice to do one, I would get Switch Online with the expansion just because no. of all the old games that are on there. No, yeah, you get Breath of the Wild. That's a hot take. Breath of the Wild all of that love together. I'm so sorry. Okay, you know what? You're, you, okay. you just play Breath of the Wild two. on Wii U. <laughs> That's true. That is the, yeah. the original way. It was the yeah, original Shane, don't you have your Wii U? <laughs> I will. So, so I think my final two would be Smash and Animal Crossing, but I would do an honorable mention if if people aren't into smash but still want a party fighting game towerfall tower towerfall still is one of the best party games ever Mm -hmm. and on switch it specifically has a six player mode where on pc you have to like buy an eight player mode like dlc thing off of itch.io it's like kind of silly but on on switch they added the widescreen in the six player mode and that game holds up still amazing still great single player time trial stuff towerfall is the best Okay. I should play it. Sweet. Yeah. I I, I, I forgot another another great uh, Shane. If you're still listening, the expansion <laughs> pass. When we when you were buying Mario Kart, which is in our agreed. I don't know why yep. I assumed he stopped listening halfway through our recommendations. <laughs> uh, if Shane, you're still with me, please. Um, uh, uh, you're gonna get Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, and with that expansion pass online, you will immediately get. 48 more tracks yeah just yeah. right away not yep. well the 48 by the end of 2023 but you'll get a lot of all the dlc over the big games like animal crossing splatoon is also included yeah, yeah, so yeah. i'm gonna join seth in his hot take that if you only had one game to buy which by the way it's a 50 dollars game per year kind of you're kind of always paying forever so actually it is more expensive uh breath of the wild and expansion online you're good to go and Mario Kart. If you only have right, if you only have one game to buy and you buy the and you buy the expansion pass, you can't do anything with the Mario Kart DLC because you don't own <laughs> Mario Kart. What are you doing? Oh god. Why would you go buy to your local 
Go to your local Kmart, <laughs> open up a layaway account, put Mario what Kart on layaway. Kmart? Clearly, clearly you <laughs> yep. have Mario Kart because you're, you're buying it bundled with a Switch, which is the only way to That's buy true. a Switch. The only Black Friday deal there ever is. <laughs> yes. It ever will be. So all right uh i hope i hope that helped out shane but yeah i think i think those are all like super good in fact just buy all of the games that we just said um this is a uh, kind of for you tom zachary mcdaniel asks has it been decided who will review tears of the kingdom and i'm pretty sure i know the answer to this but i'm gonna ask tom has it been decided it's a yes or no question no mm. okay so uh, next question I can, uh, I can i can go into a little more detail with this usually generally we don't we we assign some things that f- this far out, but a lot there's a lot of interest in this game. It, we don't know when we're getting it. Just to be clear, I'm, I don't know anything right in ter- beyond the release date of the game right yeah. now. In yes, that way. I want to point out like it's a common misconception that we have like all this insider knowledge. Yeah. No. and we mostly don't know anything. Yeah, yeah, we we don't know when we're gonna <laughs> get it. We don't know what the embargo will be. We don't know how much time we'll have to play. We don't know any of that right um, at this point. And there's a lot of people on staff who are interested in reviewing it, and yeah. we got to see how schedules line up with that sort of stuff Uh, in an ideal world with big sequels like this we generally try to or not it's not a hard and fast rule but we like having people who reviewed the first one come back to review the second one that's why jose otero who Uh, is no longer at ign actually went and worked for nintendo so well i don't think he's allowed that's not happening (laughs) so the floor is a little more open um and and again that's not like a hard and fast rule by any means um so yeah we're we're still looking i'm considering trying to you know whether i would want to review it i think it's a big question of like mm-hmm. there's a lot of pressure on that review it's an enormous review yeah. mm-hmm. i played the original breath of the wild i played over like eight months on the train yeah. taking my time because i was working at pc gamer at the time so i didn't need to cover it in any capacity right. and so like playing it for review is a very different oh, sort yeah. of way to experience a game like that yeah. so there's there's a lot of questions but the short answer is no we haven't decided yet i reviewed the first one and i don't want to sign up to review the second yeah one. <laughs> oh oh yeah and a follow-up of that um we won't tell you <laughs> uh, beforehand who is going to review it because we have a policy where we always keep our reviewer secret until we absolutely have like review copies in hand because we very intentionally don't want developers to be able to influence who like who is reviewing it on our side we don't want them to be like oh we heard this person is reviewing the game well maybe we don't have code for you which has never happened right like it's it's not a thing that like at least in my time at ign it is not a thing that like we worry about it's just a precaution we take to kind of really make sure there's there's separation there yeah Okay. Jeffrey, have you reviewed any games in your time here? I have not. I um I have reviewed a movie, uh, which it was a movie based on a game, which was uh the twenty uh twenty one movie Uncharted. Is that no twenty twenty two? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. It came out last year with Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg. Oh, wow. Uh I did review that. Um it's a very fun hey. process because it was my first review and uh it was very fun working with uh with with Dan and and uh, and and Alex Stedman, uh, yeah, and yeah. Uh, it is scary though. I I feel like as someone who works on the social team, where we're kind of um, excited about a lot of things, it, it was a real challenge to look at something critically. Uh, and I learned is, yeah. so much from everyone I worked with uh, on it. I have written some game previews, and 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 Tom uh, Tom has helped me with some of those, and they're very nice. fun. It is just very fun to just play a game and be like, wow, this is shaping up nicely <laughs> right yeah um, you get to be a lot more but, uh, general with with previews 
Right, which I think yes. in that for me, previews are much easier, and I am in awe of every review that IGN does, and I do not, I would never throw my name in for Tears of the Kingdom. I want to <laughs> play that for eight months yeah. at a time Same. on a train right. to my job Slow at PC burn. Gamer. It's funny yeah. that you bring that up because I have been kind of wrestling with this for a long time. Like, on the one hand, like, yeah, I, I don't think that I want to review Tears of the Kingdom just because I want to be able to savor it. Mm -hmm. Like I want to like roll it around in my mouth like it's a delicious piece of Wagyu beef and just have <laughs> it melt and all the juices dry aged. It's been dry aged for what, two years now? That's pretty, pretty incredible. But on the other hand, um, I love attention. Yeah. And I know <laughs> yeah. that will be the biggest review on IGN probably ever ever because breath of the wild was the biggest review actually no excuse me breath of the wild review was the biggest article on ign ever at the time like, whoa period. no like period like has it not been surpassed since then it's the most trafficked like just anything hmm. on ign ever uh you know what number two is seth macy's playstation 5 pre-order uh, what's yes. up <laughs> Ew, shout out um so yeah uh, I am uh, like uh, I remember when we had Dan Reichert on. He was talking about when he reviewed Breath of the Wild, and he like got to a point where he's like, "I I think he's like I think this is like the best game mm -hmm. that I've ever played," and that is a magical feeling. Like I had that when I was playing Flight Simulator. I was like, "Oh, I I think this is a, a like a ten. I I've, I'm playing a ten right now. Like yeah. this is a masterpiece, and I kind of want that feeling. But at the same time, I just got off the Octopath Two review, and it consumed." all of my free time yeah yeah like, just it's a process I, I i don't know it is it is it is a super process like people don't really understand how much work goes into like not only do you have to play it but you have to be sort of thinking like while you're playing is this working you're taking notes What's not working yeah. what do i like and you know dan and tom are not like kind when they when they edit your stuff <laughs> they they're quite <laughs> They're quite punches, but they're nice people. No, they don't. We're no, not, I don't. No, they're this. not mean. I, I like to think we're not jerks about it, they're but we are jerks. not afraid no, of no, the no, red no. pen either. No, no, I love it. It's it's extreme. Like um, the reviews that I started writing, compared to the reviews that I write now, like mm -hmm. I know what you guys are looking for, and I I feel like I do a much better job of answering the questions. And you know, I didn't even realize I wasn't that good at writing reviews until I wrote a review. And then had Dan yeah. like send it back, and he's like, "Why do you think this? How does this? Why are you telling me the story? Like all this stuff." Also, Control F the game before uh -huh. you hand it in, because uh, Dan will m murder you. Yeah, actually, <laughs> I've been murdered twice now, but thankfully I was brought back to life. Uh, 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 PCM2FChris at gmail.com asks, "What's the last and next game you bought at midnight at a store?" I never bought a game at midnight. I was gonna stand in line for oh. PS2, but I decided not i ha actually have What's an up? answer for this I, I did this so rarely but i went to the midnight launch of was it the new nintendo 3ds that came yes. like with with it came with like ocarina of time i think like majora's mask as well like like remakes of them i don't remember if they're it was something like that i think i think it was majora's mask i think i went and got i was i remember being at this midnight launch and i remember it very specifically because you in order to transfer your profile from one system to another, you had to have the system there with you. And there was no like- Oh, that's there right. There was no way to do, like if you wanted to trade in your old 3DS, there wasn't yes. a way to do this. So- The GameStop employees had to like 
transfer all your data for well, you there in was, addition but there were so like, many people in the store so basically what they did is if you wanted to trade it in you had to buy it outright they gave you like a little slip of paper or something and you had to stay in the store you couldn't leave the store and just sit there and transfer your stuff in the store so there were a bunch of us who had bought these things we were scattered all over the floor of this GameStop while the line was going through to buy these new things little getting our carrying data files hurriedly from one yeah, <laughs> waiting for them to get done and then taking our slip of paper and our old system and back up to get a refund on the trade-in value. Wow. <laughs> it was a silly experience. <laughs> I didn't do yeah, it again. Those, those days are gone. <laughs> Jeffrey, did you ever stand in line to buy a game at midnight? Yeah, I um the the last one I did was uh for uh The Last of Us Part Two, uh Ellie hmm. Edition. I was very excited about oh, that. Oh wow. Uh, it, was Ellie it was also during the it was it was that was at the height of the uh pandemic. Um and so it was kind of extra scary, you know, obviously mm. masked up and, you know, kind of crazy ready marketing. to stand in line to buy a game about a pandemic. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. But I will say my uh, my favorite memory is uh, from midnight uh, in 2008. I in when I lived in Georgia, I stood in line at midnight for I, I will say also in, in when I said The Last of Us, I feel like I'm kind of cheating in California because they do it at 9 p.m. here, like 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight <laughs> Eastern. Oh, yeah. Um, so it doesn't really, it's like, it's like, oh, well, we're getting it all at the same time. But, uh, in 2008, I, I stood in line for Super Smash Brothers Melee for, oh, sorry, Brawl for, uh, Wii, for Nintendo Wii. Um, and they had a, they had a, they let everyone in early and we had a competition and they just had the game. And so I played the game like two hours before it was supposed to launch. And, but it was Rebel. with like the Wii remote, like sideways, <laughs> like the worst way to play oh, Brawl. Um, and, uh, the winner got the copy for free and i was eliminated so fast but i was never i i, I was so excited to buy this like 50 dollars game i like have a picture of me holding it which is very long hair in Aww. high school and just like nice. playing uh brawl but uh yeah it, it's weird like i feel like midnight stuff isn't as popular these days anymore because you can just like, download it yeah get exactly. to but, uh, your door gosh, yeah. it was a whole thing back in back in the day but tom good. did you ever the only Stand the last line. time I remember going to a midnight I, I did a lot of midnight movie things. The only midnight like game thing I remember doing was the Wii, like the just the Wii proper. Um, and okay. then I did <laughs> the last time I probably went like early before a store opened to buy a thing was the Golden Zelda 3DS Ooh, that had a oh. Triforce on the back of it. And then That's between worlds, a very collectible one. And then. Uh, I remember getting there early, like a couple hours before the store opened, and there was a line. And then the store opened, and they started letting people in. And no one was in line for the 3DS. They were all in line for some other game that came out the same day. Oh, wow. And I just walked up and bought one, and it was fine. <laughs> like, it, it was like a very, like, oh, I didn't need to do this <laughs> at all sort of moment for me. Yeah. Uh, that is all the time we have left. Before we go, I have a few favors to ask. If you're watching us on YouTube, leave us a like and a nice comment. If you're listening to us on a podcast application, please leave us a review. Helps us spread the good NVC word. We will be forever in your debt. I want to thank the panel for answering everyone's questions. I want to thank everyone. There were so many questions, like <laughs> the most questions that we've ever gotten. So I'm sorry that we didn't get to answer all like 100 questions. But uh, I want to thank Red on the ones and twos. And most of all, I want to thank you for listening. The audience, we love you. You're the best. We wouldn't be here without you. Uh, and remember, NBC is the only podcast where you can... Get the thing! Get the thing. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine.
erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.